Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Stephanie, we are Sounds Familiar, and we are here to make you think about movies and get sad and stuff. My name's Caleb, and oh no, this is a nightmare. I'm Justin, and nobody tells me nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Justin, can we talk about Edgar Wright? I'm going to die to talk about Edgar Wright with you all day. I need to talk about Edgar Wright, okay? Yep, this we have reached the end of Auteur April, um, and we are closing it out on a pretty high note, I would say. With uh, two of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> yep. I mean, I am a nerdy white guy, so that tracks. <laughs> no, I think it makes sense. Edgar Wright has a, I think he at a comparably young age has carved out a, a pretty good little niche for himself. Um, as right. as an auteur with a distinctive style, so. <laughs> um, let's do what we've done with some of the other ones, uh, most of the other ones, and ask like, which of this director's movies have you seen or not seen? I. There's no way I've seen everything. I I actually yeah probably should have pulled he, up a list. He of has an unreleased kind of horror movie. Really? Um, yeah. Like, unreleased as in it just hasn't come out yet? Correct. Oh, well. Um. Obviously, you can't expect to have seen that. Okay. Not actor. Director. <laughs> 35. What? <laughs> there, well, a I'm lot talking of these feature films must be here. TV. A lot of these are TV episodes. Yeah. Okay. Though I would be interested to see some of the um, TV he's directed. Movie. Yeah. Okay. That narrows it down to eight. Okay. A Fistful of Fingers, which I've never heard of. No, neither have I. Shaun of the Dead. Seen yes. That. Hot Fuzz. Seen that. Yes. Grindhouse. Oh, no, he no. didn't direct Grindhouse. He directed Ultra one segment. of the fake trailers okay. in it. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. World's End. Yeah. Yes. I... Baby Driver. No. Yes. Yeah. Sparks Brothers. Unreleased. So, I guess I have seen everything uh, except his first... Oh, I'm sorry. He, he wrote Ant-Man. I forgot. He was going to direct it, and then there was a right. What is he still credited as a as a writer, writer and executive oh. producer? Yeah. Oh, screenplay by, story by, and he also wrote the Adventures of Tintin, which I have not seen. Oh, oh really? Huh. Uh, huh. He did executive produce Attack the Block, which I have seen. <laughs> I have not seen that, though. I have heard of it because i know john boyega's in it but that's the only thing i know about it and the fact that it's british that there are aliens yeah i barely it. remember it i probably what? need to give it a rewatch <laughs> uh, um it uh what was i gonna say oh i i don't really know whether to say i've seen world's end or not uh because i remember being in the room while caleb was watching it but like doing other stuff on my computer so it is undoubtedly my least favorite movie of the Cronetto trilogy it is by far the weakest one yeah it didn't look that interesting to me but the ending is intensely depressing 
<laughs> That's kind of weird for an Edgar Wright movie. Yeah, like it doesn't seem like it's going to be, and then and then it is. Uh, um, inspired many a pub crawl, though, and for that, I think it <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Um, Caleb, enlighten us again as to why it's called the Cornetto the Cornetto trilogy. trilogy. So it's three movies that he worked on to varying extents with. Um, with Simon Pegg, and they all three star Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Um, and a Cornetto is a brand of, like, British ice cream cone. Um, and a character eats one at every point in the movie, and you see a rapper, or, or you at least see a rapper That's of so one. That's so funny. Do you think that Egg just, like, really likes He's those? He's just a big fan like, of ice cream. Apparently. I mean, I get that completely. Um, maybe we should have just done the Cornetto trilogy as, like, an episode, but... That's okay. Um, you know, we actually kind of went back and forth a little bit on which movies to do for this one um, because of, you know, Hot Fuzz being part of the aforementioned Cornetto trilogy. And um, he only has two other. Yeah. Theatrical, so, theatrically released. Films. I said that Scott Pilgrim and Baby Driver would be a more like the movies seem more similar yeah. to each other. But, to be fair, with a lot of directors this month, we've been doing more of, like, a survey of their work. So, it's, like, not necessarily two movies that are that similar. It's just right. two movies that kind of represent their filmography in some ways. So. Yeah. So, I wanted to do, like, one of his original things and then, I guess, the only adaptation he's ever done. Um, oh, you're right. Yeah. I guess Scott Pilgrim. I haven't read the comics, but, Caleb, you've read the comics, right? Yes. Have I love you read them. them? Yes, they're great. <laughs> okay. And we will discuss, I'll discuss those a little bit more when we get to Scott Pilgrim. But up first, uh, we're going to be talking about Hot Fuzz, because Hot Fuzz was released in 2007. Okay. Um, the first time I saw this movie was... When and why? When and why? <laughs> I don't know. It might have been on Netflix or something, and I was like, well, I've seen Shaun of the Dead. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I honestly don't remember, but I think this is the third or fourth time I've seen it, just because I watch it every couple months, because it's just so dense, and I love Edgar Wright and his screenplays and his editing and directorial choices. It's just so, so dense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that, like, so much of Edgar Wright is just, like, editing, but, like, you're gonna notice it, but in a good way. Like <laughs> I will get into that. Yeah. Once we get further into this, mm -hmm. Stephanie. Mm. Oh, oh, okay. My experience. Um, so this was my second time seeing Hot Fuzz. I watched it for the first time. Sometime in the last year, probably. Yeah, maybe a few months ago, a year ago ish, with Caleb because I I know he really liked it, so I watched it. Um, and. I, it's not really my type of movie, but I definitely appreciate the Edgar Wrightness of it all, if that makes sense. Right. Like, like, <laughs> it's funny, like, all of Edgar Wright's movies are not my type of movie, if that makes sense, but I still really like what he does with them. So, um, yeah, like, they, he takes stories that I really would not really be interested in on paper but he really makes them so lively and colorful and attention grabbing that you you end up enjoying it even if it's not really your thing and i i would definitely call this an example of that i mean <laughs> he's able to make me care about a story about a 
a police officer, you know, trying to bring law and order to people who are too soft on crime. Like, <laughs> not exactly my favorite form of story, but it, it ends up being just really, really enjoyable. So, yeah. I really liked it. Uh, this is my only my second time seeing it, which is surprising uh, for how much I like it. Uh, the first time I saw it was after band practice one day, so my friend must have gotten the DVD like as soon as it came out, uh, based on when the movie came out. Um, God, I really enjoyed this rewatch. Um, the it... so you haven't seen this since like two thousand seven? No. Holy no. wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, my god. The the jokes per minute and just yes. how well the film it's is made. It's insane. Ah, oh, god, I love it. The jokes The JPM is off the charts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I, that, yeah, that's another thing I really appreciate is that not only is the editing snappy, the writing's also really snappy. And um, it... You don't really get bored because so much is happening so fast, but no, and in like a fun way, in a not a confusing way, in like a, a way that makes it seem really exciting. Yes, so that that gives me two thoughts. Mm. One, the way he writes his jokes, there's no there's no waiting for reactions. There's no character says something off the wall, pause for laughter. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. the joke hits and you better process it because they're about to deliver another one. And like, right. nobody's going to blink. Nobody's going to stop, start, talk, start talking slower. Well, and the great thing about rapid fire jokes like that is if, even if some of them wouldn't land, if, if they were given more time to sit, like you don't really notice it because it's on to the next thing. Like that, that is part of what I'm sure I've bitched about on here before. Something that I don't care about in a lot of modern comedies and stuff is like, just like letting things sit for so long that I'm just like, even if this might have been funny in the first half second, it's now not that funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> because you're self indulgently lingering on it so long. I don't know, but I feel like this makes it work so much better. It's like, even if you don't have time to like laugh at something, your brain is still like, dude, this is great. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing inwardly because all of this is so funny, if that makes sense. Yeah, the, and the LOLs in this movie uh, don't happen so much, <laughs> but the amount of times I'm just like, eh, <laughs> on the inside. It got me a couple right. times. I, it got a couple good laughs out of yeah. me. I just wish I could remember what they were. Oh, gosh. Um, there are some pretty great moments. I can't I can't remember and it's killing me. Like I said, I should have Stop. written it down. I was just in the moment too much. Mm -hmm. Um the and the content of the jokes. Like this movie takes place almost entirely in a tiny village in the countryside of England. So like anything wild or zany that happens has to be within that like small town context. Yes. Like one of my favorite jokes is just like one of my favorite running jokes throughout the movie is just that there's, there's a goose that's escaped and a like, swan, a, sorry, a swan. <laughs> You're right. The swan. And like, then it comes back at the very end yeah. and like, you know, and, uh, the, the uh, inspector constable. I don't know. Sure. I don't, I lose track um, of the ranks and you like movies. the swan pops up in the rear view yeah. mirror. And he's like, ah, and, you know, runs into a tree at five miles an hour because yeah. of it. Um, <laughs> 
Honestly, the only problem I have with this movie is the occasional gore, and I know where it is, so I just look away. It's so fucking um, random, too. It's like, th- why is this a movie that has gore in it? I, I don't know, but I, it sure is. <laughs> that's why it surprised me to find out that uh, this is one of your favorite movies, because like, I just think of the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the uh, church falling on that guy. Oh, I I I, I refuse to watch. I that saw part. it once, I and it. I will never watch it again. No. I, there are two things I won't watch. The part, the one where the guy, the church. Uh, uh, steeple falls on the guy's yeah. head, and the one where the guy's head falls on the church steeple. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that is what happens. Holy shit. There is, there is oh so much god. of that in this movie. Um, I was oh. I was pseudo, pseudo drunkenly rambling about this last night. Um, God, I need a moment to collect my thought. Um, Should I keep talking? Or... No, no, I think I've got this. <laughs> okay. you, help me if you remember what I was saying. Okay. Um, Timmy's in the well! How... <laughs> <laughs> Edgar Wright sets... He does several things with his storytelling and with his editing. One of them is that there is a lot of, like turnabout or uh like something is very obviously set up and then obviously paid off yes but there's so much of it that Mm. you feel good every time you catch one Mm. um Mm. and also he he does some what could feel cheesy filmmaking um like the scene where Danny is browsing through the DVDs and he's reading the description of that movie and he says out loud, Super Cop, the cop that cannot be stopped. And then he looks up and there goes Nick running by <laughs> chasing some guy. Um, just the, the yeah. you know, the juxtaposition there, you know, the implication that Nick is the super cop. The movie is so full of that. Like, it's just a, a stylistic choice of his that it's not cheesy or silly. You're just like, ah, this guy. Yeah. Um, fact, it's just endearing. The fact it's that uh, Point Break and Bad Boys 2 just happened to be next to each other in that storage <laughs> Yes. <was> fire. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then both, everything that Danny talks about in those movies happens in this movie. Danny ends up firing a gun in the air while screaming, ah! And then... <laughs> Um, they do, they, they get the, the bad boys to Michael Bay camera pan around while they're standing in the village square. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, this movie made me want to rewatch Point Break. That movie's kind of bad, but it rules. Uh, <laughs> it made me want to watch Point Break. <laughs> no. Please, Stephanie, indulge me. Okay, we, fine, we, fine. When that scene came up, Stephanie said, what did you say, Stephanie? Isn't that the one with the... You said the, the only thing I know about oh, Point yeah, Break... Oh, yeah, I said the only thing I know about Point Break is that it has a homoerotic volleyball montage. Yes. And I said, no, that's Top Gun. Oh, you're And right. Stephanie said, wait, I guess I don't know anything about Point Break. <laughs> and just the, the back and forth happened so quickly that, like, it felt scripted. It, I laughed my ass off. I don't why i thought that was point break <laughs> apparently that's top gun all i know is that apparently both of these are movies about dudes that were made in like what like the 80s late 80s early 90s yeah uh, it are kind of gay that's all i got uh, point break has homoerotic surfing oh okay you know it was probably something like that and skydiving. 
<laughs> Top Gun was 86, Point Break was 91. Uh, okay, okay. So not that far apart. Not that far apart. Uh, yes. Homoerotic skydiving. <laughs> so, uh, you the know... Subtext. You know a movie is gonna be good when they have uh, Bill Nye, Martin Freeman, and Steve Coogan just, like, as yes. throwaway characters in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're making us all look bad, but being exceptional, and the people are gonna start expecting us to be exceptional. I, I, okay. I guess now is as good a time as any to get into the complicated police politics of this movie. Oh. Whoa! Please the hold. first real, yes. Uh, fun fact about other uh, uh, actors that are in the Kate beginning. Blanchett? Do you know who plays Santa? That's yes. Him? Yes. Peter Jackson. You told me that. I was like, what the? Why is. What? Kate Blanchett also plays his girlfriend. It's yeah. The one did the mask. Dude, that was funny. It just. Uh, Edgar Wright's got a lot of friends <laughs> in high places. Apparently, <laughs> dude. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, the complicated <laughs> politics of a movie made in 2007 with a positive view of good policing. Um. So the first thing I noticed before it got more complicated was that this is essentially a story about a bunch of lazy cops getting rid of the, quote, good apple, um, the the good egg, um, and just, like, shipping him off somewhere that he can't continue making them look bad by, you know, being exceptional. Um, so already you see the politics are involved. A little like... bit. But then as we get deeper into it, it starts getting... Uh, there there are a lot of lines that in 2021 make you go hey. <laughs> like when he's talking to the school children and he says something about execution of unquestionable moral authority um, that's a big oof my guy <laughs> like he his view is that the law is good and he is there to enforce it blindly uh there's there's no yeah. there is zero room for Maybe not all laws are good. Maybe not all policing is equal. Yeah. Um, and so it's... <sighs> well, see, okay, here, the only thing, and it sounds silly to even critique this on, like, <laughs> a political level because it's a hot fuzz. Like, it's <laughs> and it, the whole thing is supposed to be a joke. I guess what I would say is that if the joke was on him being too much of a stickler, like... I don't think it would bother me as much because the whole joke would be like, look at this guy who's like, has a huge stick up his ass about like how everyone needs to follow the law and he's, he is the law and you know, and like the joke was on him for that. But it actually ends up being that he's right to do that. Like he ends up being proven right. They only catch the bad guys because he's like trying to do his job and follow through and make sure everything is done thoroughly. That's what's kind of funny about it. It's like he is made to look silly, but he's also kind of right. He's proven right. The the story wants you to agree with him. Maybe it's maybe it's kind of showing the the ineffectiveness of uh, uh, policing because it shows the real world where these cops they really don't give a fuck. And the only way that a, a cop could be uh, truly effective is to be a cartoonish uh, action hero. <laughs> to be on yes. all the time. Um, I guess. It, yeah, it's 
I don't know. It, it's difficult to tell what the movie's actual stance on it is because, like I said, it does make him look really silly a lot and, like, like he cares too much, but then it's like, but shouldn't he care too much? You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, but, um... <laughs> oh, also, there was a couple... Mo- Sorry, I'm totally interrupting no, no. you, Caleb. There was a couple moments that were a big... A big oof um, in the present day, like, um, when the uh, the very bad guy played by Timothy Dalton is, like, when they catch that shoplifter guy or whatever, and he's like, oh, like, we shouldn't resort to punitive measures or whatever right away, and we're supposed to be like, what? He doesn't want to punish he stole some shoplifter? Biscuits. I know, like, we're supposed to... That man got <laughs> off with two dollars of jammy dodgers. I know, I know, and- <laughs> So it's like, I, I just, that, that entire sequence, oh, I, we were also complaining about, as it was happening, the, the shoplifter. Like, Nicholas Angel probably gave this man a concussion because he stole some fucking jammy Dodgers. Okay? Like, the they're not even that good. <laughs> I don't speak British. What? It's a biscuit. Or, it... for you Americans, a cookie. ACAW, all cops are wankers. <laughs> <laughs> no, or, or A-B-A-W All bobbies are wankers oh, A-ball If you will I don't, I don't know It's weird It's like I know that British people Have a lot of words For a person who's an asshole But I don't know What a lot of them are uh, Wanker's probably the best one And I don't even really like Bastards as an insult Because of like The origins of it Are kind of offensive It's like Oh your, your parents Weren't married So that makes you A bad person Like <laughs> know we should probably find something else to use as an insult so anyway all that aside yeah it's i mean like i said my critique is very light because the whole movie is light and like it's not trying to like say anything it's just it's more that it's just kind of like awkward to watch in the present day you're like whoa Yes, we we really are big fans of like making sure everyone is punished to the full extent of the law, and that's how you solve society's right. problems. There, if you are in this day and age still capable of completely turning your brain off and not thinking about the politics of a movie, uh, God, it's great. Um, <laughs> well, okay, I will say one thing for it politically. <laughs> um. Is that I feel like it is the 2007 version of maybe at least kind of trying to be at least a little sort of woke <laughs> in regards to policing because because the the people who are presented as like trying to be above the law are a bunch of like old rich white people like and they're trying to make everything go their way and and not not be subject to the laws that are enforced on other people like and you know that's for the greater good right right like right like (laughs) (laughs) right and they're trying to manipulate everything and take the law into their own hands and like decide who lives and who dies literally definitely not crusty jugglers (laughs) dude what the fuck did the statue guy ever do wrong he provides entertainment I love that. I know it's horrifying. Actually, no. Edgar Wright is. Uh, this movie is very much. There are numerous sequences where it's supposed to be kind of horrifying, but also funny. So, like, when he f- stumbles into the hole where all of the people have been dis- murdered and disappeared including to, dead and children. then the camera pan, and including yeah. five dead teenagers, yeah. um, when it pans to the living statue guy. He <laughs> just looks the same. <laughs> 
Yes, it is about a bunch of, like, old rich white people who are, like, the elders of the town who think they can get away with anything. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, the only person who stands up to them. So, Mm -hmm. in that way, I could see how it could be kind of, like, you know, for the time, I could see where they were going with this, for sure. I I love that you have, like, a... In a true uh, action movie plot, or even kind of a horror movie plot, the governing body of the town is a cult down to wearing robes, chanting in Latin, but they're not worshipping a demon. They just want to win Best Town Award. Best Best Village Award. (laughs) It's such... It is actually a really great satire of the way that old white people often are. (laughs) Like... I see you all Rotary Clubs and you scare the shit out of me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like when they're sitting around and chanting and then immediately going to talking about, like, the silly mundane things about the town. Like, oh, Janice is going to bring her kids to the Easter luncheon or whatever. I don't (laughs) i that's all i've got to say about the the politics i think are we good everyone good yes okay um this movie is an unabashed like simultaneous love letter and spoof of action movies um specifically you know like ridiculous action movies of the 90s and 2000s um but he like not in a a scary movie or epic movie kind of way like edgar Wright, like he you you can tell it's like coming from a place of love like this is a man who loves movies and regardless of how dumb they are um yes it's the same thing with Shaun of the dead like uh that movie is is totally taking the piss out of uh the zombie genre but it is made it is dripping with love and care and precision um, and um, I think uh, Edgar Wright has the right attitude. You should be able to absolutely tear apart the things you love and make fun of them. Otherwise, do you truly love them? <laughs> um, <laughs> which is why nobody bitches about comic books more than nerds who care about comic books. Mm. Um, I texted Caleb angry things about comic books today. <laughs> which is the other reason I used it as an example. Um, uh, so I already mentioned the Michael Bay panorama shot. Um, there's the I love the sequence when they jump through the bar, the pub door, and they're jumping sideways while fi- firing two pistols. And there's like five or six different cuts of them flying through the doorway before they hit the <laughs> ground. Um, yeah, I love how it's a lot of cuts. Nick is like, you can't just like show up guns blazing and take care of the bad guys, and then at the end he shows up. With like a, a practically an Ennio Morricone score playing, lone man riding into town <laughs> on, a, on horse. a horse, um, yeah. and then proceeds to, you know, sh- shoot up all the bad guys and destroy the town square. But like Nick, <laughs> earlier in the movie, after they watched the two the action movies, Nick said, "There's no way you could incur that amount of." Uh, destruction without uh you know incurring a serious amount of paperwork and then what did they do after they he shoots up the town square and they catch the bad guys montage of them doing a shit ton of paperwork yeah you're right Uh, a lesser movie would have ended it uh where they're all doing paperwork and becoming buddy buddy an edgar wright movie ends (laughs) with a sea mine going off and blowing up Every time I watch this movie, I bitch about how none of them should have survived, especially not Nick. 
okay? Yeah. That whole building collapsed on them, okay? And they're just kind of like woke up like they got a hangover. I know. Like, oh, what happened last night? You got exploded <laughs> along with the building you were in. Um, yeah, you're right. It is kind of action movie logic. Um, sometimes another thing I love is how long it can take for a joke to pay off. Um, when things start going wrong and Nick is trying to make sure everyone's doing their jobs, um, one of the Andes tells him, you know, you want to be sheriff, why don't you fuck off to the model village and it's not until like an hour later in the movie that we find out there's like a scale model of the village just outside of the village and then nick and mr skinner have a fight in a scale model of the village that they are metaphorically fighting over wow (laughs) uh edgar wright uh snuck kaiju fights into both of these movies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh my god. I bet he really loves that genre, probably. I was like, by god, I'm gonna find a way to put that into my completely unrelated movie. <laughs> no, you're right. That that is that is a good scene. I love this movie. It oh. is so incredibly dense. Also, uh, that's not the only joke that pays off in that scene. Uh, Timothy Dalton's character is the only character in the movie to actually be defeated and or die by accident. He slips on that little truck. <laughs> well, the other guy accidentally bumps into the land or the sea mine. That's true. That's true. But I feel like it paid off <laughs> in the <laughs> Timothy Dalton's. <laughs> um... One other thing I'd like to address with the Cornetto trilogy in general. Mm. And that is the bromance. <laughs> the bromance between Simon Pegg and Nick Frost? Nick Frost's characters. Yeah, Edgar Wright is like, I really is... ship you guys, but like platonically, so work with me here. Well, I mean, I think Simon Pegg helped with the script on all of them, so it's more like Simon Pegg ships them also. Yeah, um, Simon like, I mean, they, they, I in real life, they are really good friends. That makes um, sense. So they're like relationship between these these two characters is central to all three of these movies and not at there is no point that the movies make a a bromance or a gay joke about them it's just this movie is unabashed (laughs) with its that's all it is. Uh, um, it's a it's a genuinely it's, sweet moment when he's buying the peace lily and she's like, "Is it for someone special?" He's like, "Yes, it is." That's like a genuinely yeah. sweet um, moment. Before before Nick leaves London, um, his ex tells him that he's not going to be able to switch off until he finds someone that he cares about Aww. more than he cares about the Force. He needed some bromance in his life, man. Um, which, I said this, but I don't think we were recording yet. Um, in the first draft of the script, there was a love interest written in for Nicholas, um, <laughs> who was eventually cut, and a lot of her dialogue was given to Danny with zero alterations. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I don't, yeah, I'm trying to picture, like, where Love Address would have fit in, and it's, like, the only place that that character could have been is in the Danny role, and so it's, like, 
it seems like it would have had to have been either Danny or a love interest. It feels like it couldn't have been both. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it even but, funnier yeah. when he's like, she was right. You can't switch it off. And he like runs. Runs away. With <laughs> 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 his little cowboy hat. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> the supporting cast in this movie oh. is fantastic and hilarious. Um, every member of the police force um the twins that you don't find out for sure that they are twins until like oh. the last 20 I minutes they kind of looked like each other but i wasn't um, really sure they hint at it and like uh nick asks questions but i don't think they confirm that there's actually two of them until that's sequ- that that's shot at the funny. very end where yeah. he goes nobody tells me nothing um <laughs> <laughs> um the Olivia Coleman only has a handful of lines. She's hilarious. Oh my god, she's um, so funny. <laughs> Just constantly with the sex jokes. Yep. Just like rapid fire. Um, nothing like a bit of girl on girl. Um, <laughs> I love her. The, I love, hilarious. I can't remember his name, but, um, oh god. Give me one second. I'm just going to go Is back to the Is it the guy who mumbles page. all the time? No, no, not the guy with the dog. Not Is the it one mumbler. of the asshole guys? No, it's not one of the Andes. Oh, it's the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who he is. No, the Andes are hilarious. They are like the definition of characters that you just hate. Yeah. Like, I hate them. They're fucking awful. Uh, They're awful most of the movie. And then like a switch is flipped and you're like, all right, these guys are okay. It was Sergeant Tony Fisher. The, the really nerdy like the guy with the sideburns. Guy. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, the one who I said looked like British Rain Wilson. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I was getting serious uh, uh, Rain Wilson and Bill Hader vibes. Probably. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. And I love how, like, every time they're investigating one of the murder sequences, um, he's just kind of standing there with his arms crossed to, like, ask Nick what to do. And then Nick gives instructions, and he goes, right, what he said. And then at the very end, like, when they're charging the, the grocery store... Um, he takes charge, and then Nick is like, right, what he said. Oh, love a growth moment like that. I know. <laughs> um, and Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton chewing it up oh, in this movie. Oh my god, he's having the time of his life. Just, you can see his teeth marks on the, on the yeah. set pieces. Um, you know, he was so glad to do this and not some James Bond shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, hell yeah, I love this. Uh, he's, god, this... This movie's great. If if we if I haven't talked it up enough, like please go watch Hot Fuzz. No, it's really good. I don't feel like I hear that many people talk about it, so people yeah, uh, should watch it. The rest of the Cornetto trilogy really does get overshadowed by Shaun of the Dead. That is the one you hear about. But I honestly think this one is just as good, uh, if not maybe a little better. If zombies aren't uh, aren't your thing, so I. I saw Shaun of the Dead first, like, years and years before either of the other two, and I thought it was pretty good. Zombies aren't really my thing. I was gonna say, it's already contending with Caleb not liking zombies. If it were possible for me to speak objectively on this matter, I would still say I think Hot Fuzz is probably superior. Yeah. Um, I think maybe Shaun of the Dead was so definitive because it was, like, the first really well-known movie to do, like, a comedic like a zombie parody yeah. yeah like take on zombie movies it was before zombies were ran so far into the ground yeah. where they belong it was 
It was at the forefront of right, right. the zombie craze of the early aughts. Right, it actually did. Not well, early aughts. The late aughts. Late aughts. Early 2010s. Yeah. yeah, it actually did come before that, so, yeah. Got in ahead. And we actually will be talking about Shaun of the Dead in June, so put a pin in that one. We've only seen that one once, so. For the month of May, I will not be able to be on the podcast. So, Stephanie and Justin are going to do a horror month. Take advantage of that while I'm not able to participate. Yes. We will be, yeah, we will be doing some horror on here, which isn't something that we've done much of because of Caleb's delicate sensibilities. (laughs) Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Yeah. We're, we're still kind of figuring out uh, all the movies we're going to talk about. We've got a few lined up, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm uh, so excited. Yeah. I know. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, too. Cause... I'm happy for you, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still going to make Caleb listen to all the episodes so he can appreciate our analysis, even if he hasn't seen any of the yes, movies. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, I think that's it for the announcement. We will catch you on the other side of the break. All right, see you soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out our show. Give us a follow on Twitter at SoundsFilmiliar and let us know any film pairings you would like us to cover. Did you also know that we have a sister show that covers cryptids, UFOs, and anything else strange and spooky? If that sounds like your thing, be sure to listen to I Hope You Exist on your favorite podcast service. We love you. Back to the show. Okay, we are back, and I am very ready to talk about a a white guy's favorite movie, (laughs) Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yeah, those millennial white guys, they really love Uh, Scott Pilgrim. It's true, we do. So, this movie, uh, it... uh, I, I love it, as, as Caleb does. Uh, but it really, uh, really was the the start of a terrible trend of everyone catering to the nostalgia of late Gen X slash elder millennial. Uh, no. Which is funny, because I don't think any of us really qualify as elder millennials. Like, me and Caleb are definitely younger millennials. Justin, Justin you, trends towards it. Yeah, Justin, I would, I would call a younger millennial as well because he's only he's a middle like, millennial, what, two or three years Justin's older than us. Justin's a middle millennial. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm a, I'm a '91 baby, wherever that puts me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 91 out of 100 ain't bad. Nice. Um. Yeah. The so. Uh, you're right. It's kind of. It does feel like that kind of Ready Player One vibe, but like much better i guess okay i have thoughts about this we'll get into that in a minute let's experiences with scott pilgrim versus the world the first time i saw it was either 2010 or 2011 at my friend joe's house he had this movie on his ipod touch and watched it in math class every day my man had seen this movie 27 times when he showed it to me. I don't know if I've seen any movie 27 times. <laughs> I have seen this movie quite a few times in the last decade. I watch it at least yearly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was gonna say I've I've seen this movie a lot too, entirely just because of Caleb watching it all the time. To be fair, at this point, I only watch it once, maybe twice a year. That's still a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw it in theaters. Uh, which you bastard. That's a whole that's a whole story I'll get into. But I've probably seen this movie. I think this is my eighth time seeing it. Uh, I couldn't count. um i do love it um so my my theatrical experience with this film um i go with some friends to see it um at one of the worst theaters in town uh the carmike yes Uh, (laughs) i have a grudge against the Uh, (laughs) carmike it doesn't have stadium seating (laughs) uh so we go watch i was super excited about it um I knew it was based on kind of, like, a cool indie comic. So, like, when the movie, uh, the marketing for the movie started, I was like, okay, I'll I'll read the comics. I read the comic first, uh, and then I found out the soundtrack and, like, all of the Sex Bob-omb songs are written by Beck, who I love. Um, I didn't know that. And uh, so I go watch the movie, and I'm sitting there, and I'm loving every second of it. But I start feeling weird. (laughs) weird while we're watching it and uh i lean over to my buddy and uh i was like if i'm getting a migraine i have spots in my vision he was like are you okay dude i was like yeah yeah no no no. i think i think i'm gonna be fine let's just get through the movie keep watching the movie i lean over i'm like hey uh my arms just went numb and he's like dude are you okay and i was like yeah i think i'm fine Let's just keep going. So the film ends. We're sitting there watching the credits. He's asking if I feel fine. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what that was. I, I feel okay now. We walk out of the theater and I realize I am literally soaked in sweat. I, my body had a reaction to this movie. Are you, <laughs> you had a stroke. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's never happened again. It was only when I saw what? this movie in theaters. <laughs> no what? idea. No idea. I didn't. Yeah, it it puzzles doctors to this day. Doctors hate him. Uh, My man had a physical reaction to this movie. Oh my god. Oh dear. I I don't know what to make of that. Learn this one weird trick. (laughs) I said all this to say this. I love this movie, but I don't quite love it to death, and I would like to know what the fuck happened to me. (laughs) <laughs> that's really scary i don't know what yeah. to say never happened, oh, again, never happened before this movie almost killed me that's great <laughs> oh, God. no i pretty much already said my experience it's just that caleb really likes it so i've seen it a million times um so <laughs> yeah i'll be taking point on this one shuffles papers yeah go for um, it Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is based on a, I guess, comic series. It's more like an American manga, and that Canadian. like it was released Canadian. Sorry, you're right. It is tragically Canadian. Tragically, because um, <laughs> um, it was released um, in like volumes, and it's black and white, and the format is very much um like like a manga 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was written by Brian Lee O'Malley and released in uh, the first volume was released in 2004. Um, and funnily enough, I was totally unaware of the existence of any of this until the movie had already had a home release. And it wasn't until the summer of 2019 that I read the comic. Um, because the library at my college had it. Nice. And I love it. There are some key differences. Yes. And some additional details in it, you know. Um, like, oh, uh, Evil X number three was cheating on Envy with the drummer in their band. That's not really important. There is one key difference, however, um that bothers me that isn't like that i wish had been in the movie if you don't want comic spoilers skip ahead two minutes yeah yeah and that is the fact that wallace wells scott pilgrim's gay roommate will do anything for scott Mm. he he scott is his bitch okay (laughs) like like nobody else can take advantage of scott okay like he will throw down. Wallace will kick someone's ass for Scott. Like, if they threaten him, okay? Um, that's beautiful. And he, My man is ride or die. <laughs> and that's not quite in the movie, but, you know, that's... And it's an adaptation. Things change. Things need to be adapted. Um, that was just an unexpected surprise. <laughs> a little aspect of the comic that I that I ended up loving that I didn't know was going to be. No, there. I love Wallace. I I like him in the movie, so I, I would definitely be interested to see his role in the comic book. <laughs> All right, spoilers over for now, yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get into every spoiler. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. First off, when I say, uh. I, Several thoughts here. General thoughts about the movie. One, the video game aesthetic of it. Like, the 8-bit universal theme. The fairy fountain theme from Legend of Zelda during a dream sequence. um, The combos during fights. It's... All of this is just set dressing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's just incidental. Which is good. This movie could have very easily been intensely cringy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is a an homage and a celebration rather than Ready Player One's uh, member berry injection. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is not member berries, which is it. 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 I. I was going to say it walks that line, but I don't think it even gets close to that line because it's just something that they throw in every now and then, you know? Um, So that's... This movie has several different things in it that if you know nothing about, might catch you a little off guard. That's one of them. Just the random video game set dressing every now and then. Like the fight. Like the announcer and the text on screen appearing whenever Scott's fighting someone. Yeah. Um, Uh, The Street Fighter references. Yes. Um, so, so that can catch you a little off guard, but it's it, it eventually, you know, just blends in. The first major thing that really... Like, this this movie is quirky because it's Edgar Wright. And at his, like, Edgar Wrightiest, because he, he is adapting a comic, and he is, like, no holds barred with it. He is... He throws in chapter titles on screen. Um, there are... 
there are onomatopoeias on screen uh, constantly. Yeah. Um, like a but the first moment that really slaps you with the the fuck is when the first evil ex shows up and like bursts through the ceiling to fight Scott. Yeah. And then they just bust out into this kung fu movie intensely choreographed kung fu fight sequence. And they really set the tone well. He has like these singing demon women that he summons and he's able to fly <laughs> and shoot fireballs. It's like this He's doing a little a little Bollywood tribute. Yeah, to, with his like, demon hipster chicks. Yeah. Um and the th- Everyone in, nobody in this movie, nobody in the scene is bothered by it except for Scott's sister. Everyone else is just kind of like, why is this guy here? Nobody is really, like, phased at all by the fact that this, this dude just busts through the ceiling and now they're fighting at the Battle of the The Bands. The terms of this universe are never entirely clear. No, and it is a little bit clearer in the comic because (laughs) Scott Pilgrim (laughs) is the best... (laughs) <laughs> the best hand-to-hand fighter in his <laughs> province. Okay. Oh, <laughs> and that's just, like, accepted. All of his friends are just aware of the fact that they live in this world where people can fight, like, Street Fighter characters, and Scott is the strongest person in their entire section of Canada. Okay, but you wouldn't know it because he, because of how he is, right? Yeah. Um, it's not apparent from the character at all. So when the movie busts that out and doesn't give you that little bit of information, actually, no, I feel like the movie doesn't. might drop that. Does it? I feel like that line might be in the movie somewhere. I'm just remembering. I... I'm just forgetting. I um, really can't maybe. But uh, so it's <laughs> the the movie drops in all sorts of stuff in from the comics that are obviously much bigger things. Like when Ramona says that Todd punched a hole in the moon for her, there's a sequence like 30 minutes later where you get like a two second shot of the moon. And guess what? You can see a hole in it. (laughs) Ramona wasn't exaggerating. Like Todd literally did that. It's just the movie was like, we're going to reference this thing from the comic. We're going to move on. We'll have a little, you know, Easter egg to show the people that that actually happened. Um, I got off. I got a point there just because I I love talking about this movie. No, so much. no, it's okay. um, just how it how it handles things. It 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 reveals things slow slowly, um, because like the first Evil X fight takes place probably like half an hour into the movie. Yeah, it's um, a while. And that first half hour, every time I watch, I love Edgar Wright. There's just something about the way he does it in this movie that blows me away. His exposition is remarkably efficient the first three minutes of this movie you already know who scott pilgrim is what his living situation is what he does as a hobby who his friends are who he's dating where he lives etc etc and then we're like two or three minutes in and we're already hitting a montage like a a sequence of him (laughs) on dates with this girl um it's just it's so yeah you're right his editing is so sharp and quick and precise that that combined with how his his knack for the screenplay gives you some incredibly efficient exposition delivery. Yeah. No, that's true. It's remarkable how much happens before the whole Evil X's thing starts happening. Mm-hmm. 
but it doesn't feel extraneous, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, it still feels important to the narrative. Yeah. You know? hmm. No, really, it, it's why you care about everybody going forward once the kung fu starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you definitely need that first 30 minutes. Um, and it helps to get to know Scott a little bit before Ramona's even introduced. Because then you can, you know, see the impact that she has on him. Um, this is just an, uh, the comedy in it. It's the same thing with Hot Fuzz. Like, just the reactions and the line deliveries. It's just line, cut, next thing. Like it's the, really rapid And I love the onomatopoeia. It just helps. Because his editing is so quick, having that on screen really does help a little bit. Yeah. Like, when Scott's talking and there's the ding-dong, like, the doorbell's ringing and you see the words ding-dong appear on the screen, it's just, that's for me. <laughs> um, I, I love any time he's playing the bass and it's just, duh, 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 duh. Duh, Yes. Oh, another example. Okay, so I was thinking about the... Edgar Wright uses his editing to convey a feeling. Um, Plenty of movies would just, like, show footage of a character feeling sad, you know, and then be like, I'm supposed to feel sad because character obviously feels sad. But for an example, the one that gets me every time is um, there's a sequence where Scott is at the library with um, his fake high school girlfriend. Um... And he sees Ramona for the first time. Mm-hmm. And this like bass line of the song starts playing and the bass line continues. He's star- he's staring at her. And like his bandmate pops into frame when he's standing in the library and says, Scott, when he pulls back, Scott's at band practice. I love it so and, much. That feels and really he's like, real. Scott, yeah. you, you were playing the whole bass you were playing the same bass note that entire song, and it was the note that you heard like droning on before and then scott reacts and uh he says something and then cut they're already like on the street walking to a party um and then like he he's like what we're going to this party and then cut they're already there um so just the way that he, he like he's in a daze and the way that the editing conveys that to make you feel like he's just drifting through this day without really processing what's happening it's just so good. I mm. I love it. Yeah. It that's true. It does it does really convey that sense of like losing time because in being because of being in a completely different headspace, you mm-hmm. know, like <laughs> you know, when you see someone and you're just completely enamored of them and when you just see a really hot chick and Yeah. <laughs> can't exactly. Even like we've all the been there the and you're just like the world kind of drops away and then you sort of resurface and you're doing something else and you're like, huh, what? Oh, how to get here? I don't care about this. Like, <laughs> that's the that's one of the beautiful things about this movie is there's so much going on in it, uh, and it keeps its runtime reasonable that it does not waste any time, but none of it ever feels jarring. It all feels very intentional or metaphorical, or there's always a reason behind these weird beautiful edits uh specifically yeah. i don't even remember what exactly the thing is but scott turns around for some reason and in the middle of the turn uh he turns into uh uh oh my god i'm blanking on his name uh steven steven stills yeah and i'm just like that there you go that's how you change a scene just do it 
<laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. No. He. Yeah. He turns around, and then as the turn finishes, it's yeah. it's Steven halfway through the transition. It's, it's great. So yeah. Got it. Um, another thing, just to bring up the comic again, real quick, is like just go Google a picture of like the comic and like the characters, and then look at the people in this movie. The casting and the makeup and costuming are insane. <laughs> St- they could not have picked. A, a better person to play Steven Stills who looks more like a freaking cartoon character. Like, like he looks exactly like him. And, and Kim and Wallace, just everyone looks so Spot remarkably on. like their character with the exception of, weirdly enough, uh, Michael Sarah. <laughs> He's the only one who, like, isn't, like, pinpoint accurate for his comic character. But, I mean, that's fine. He's the lead. They... Yeah. Uh, you know, they they had a little bit more leeway with that. Get a star power name behind uh, it. Blah blah blah. Man, uh, speaking of the cast, uh, well, one, there's we could talk all day about the cast because everyone is in this movie, just like everyone is in Hot yes. Buzz. It's uh, got Captain America. It's got Superman. It's got Katara. It's got <laughs> Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. You're right. I, I specifically wanted to briefly bring up uh, uh, Lucas Lee, Mr. Chris Evans himself. <laughs> Because I am so glad, don't get me wrong, I fucking love him as Captain America, but this and Knives Out, uh, I'm really glad that we are in a post-MCU Chris Evans again. My god, that man is great and hilarious. (laughs) As Wallace Wells would say, what a perfect asshole. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Sometimes I let him do the the wide shots when I feel like getting blazed back in my winning. Love, yeah, how, I love grind, how this was bro. just the precursor to him being an actual action star. Like, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, I won't hear any shade thrown at that movie that was like a teenage spy movie where he had to break in and steal the answers to the SAT so oh he can graduate God, right, high school. We still need to see. We still need to watch that. Scarlett Johansson's in it too. What? Dude, Captain America and Black Widow to be in this fucking movie. It's a heist movie where they're high schoolers who literally have to go steal the answers to the SAT. I'm looking for it right now. Right, right, right. It's, yeah. Yeah, I had only seen him in Not Another Teen Movie, then this, then he was all of a sudden Captain America. (laughs) Um, I saw him in the first Fantastic Four movie as Tom Torch. Yeah, you're right. I blacked that out. <laughs> I can't believe that was actually his first superhero. It's movie. called The Perfect Score. Right, right. <laughs> Justin, you I didn't roll your eyes that. as much as no, you want. No, well, you just. I remember the marketing for that movie. What if I you awakened in me? <laughs> it's I had in the never trailers. Seen that until we saw it in the trailers. It's in the something. trailers for the DVD for Mean Girls. Oh my god! <laughs> or Legally Blonde. I don't remember which one. It's one of the two. That's so early 2000s. Oh my god. Wow. Ah, uh, get back in there. Get back in there. <laughs> We're getting back in there. Wow. Yeah, no, but okay. he, he's great, though. Back to Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. I like the fact that it can be easy to, to overlook this. Um, but for the most part, the movie does a good job at creating a likable protagonist in Scott that you also understand is kind of a bad guy. Yeah. Um, like, it's... 
it's clear. Like, everyone in his life is telling him, hey, you're yeah. being kind of a douche right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, first he's dating a high schooler, then he's cheating on the high schooler, then he's dating this other girl, then he just... Uh, he's out here, man. I don't... And it's crazy because Scott, like, this character canonically pulls a shit ton of tail, which is like, I know. what? <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty funny, honestly, because it's just, like, this fucking dweeb who's played by, like, Michael Sarah at his Michael Sarah est like, <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, he dated this bitch and this bitch and this bitch and this bitch and this, like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he dated the lead singer of, like, the biggest band in Canada. I know, who um, looks like Brie which, Larson. Like, what? We t- I'm just gonna throw it out there. That version... Of, um, what is the song? It's originally by Metric. Metric. Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Dude, that song slaps. I I like this version of Black Sheep better. Like, Brie Larson. It's really good. It doesn't doesn't hurt that for a while Brie Larson was going to be like a Disney pop star. That's so great. Um, I love that. So (laughs) I love this version of Black Sheep so much. Yeah, no, it really slaps. I really like it. Um, I get. I I don't know how many people that this movie like introduced to new music that they ended up falling in love with, like Andy Rock. No, um, there's a lot of really Scott, good music. Uh, in it. Brian Brian O'Malley is a huge fan. Like the character of Envy Adams is based on the lead singer of Metric. Wow. Or inspired by. Yeah. Uh, I, I. It is taking all of my all of my strength not to just gush about the soundtrack. But Jesus Christ. Do it. Uh, listen Do it. to the soundtrack. Uh, uh, number one, I am, uh, especially early in his career when he was being super weird, giant Beck fan. Uh, uh, and so all of Sex Babom stuff is written uh, by Beck. Um, Justin actually owns a Beckionary and the rhyming Beckionary. Yes. Beckionary. Uh, hey. uh, a plum, uh, plum Tree doing the main theme for the movie, uh, which is a bop. If you want to have the lyrics, I've liked you for a thousand years stuck in your head, because that's like 90% of the lyrics in the song, uh, go listen to it. It's amazing. Uh, Crash and the Boys is... Uh, is that that one by... band with Crash and those boys? <laughs> it's like, girl, a boy, too. <laughs> Some things haven't aged perfectly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they are performed by Broken Social Scene, uh, which is also rad. Teenage Dream by T-Rex, great, great song, great movie song as well. Uh, and it, it's crazy because the most high-profile song uh, they have on the soundtrack is Under My Thumb by the Rolling Stones, but my god, is it used well and subtly in the movie. That's, uh, let's talk about Well, yes, the way subtly, maybe not. It's subtle <laughs> if you don't have subtitles on. Yes. Right, right, um, but yes, yes. Let's talk about the way Edgar Wright uses music. Okay. So in Hot Fuzz, uh, at most of the murder scenes in the movie, Mr. Skinner rolls up in his convertible, playing a song that is, like, relevant to the murder. Um, when he pulls up to the, the murder of the, the two actors, he's playing a song about Romeo and Juliet. When he pulls up to the, the, the explosion, it's, um, who is it? The Who or The Stones? I don't remember. The fire to destroy all you've done uh, just just he's 
again, it's subtle if you don't have subtitles on. Because the first time Gideon shows up, um, and he takes, and Ramona leaves with him, um, the Rolling Stones song, Under Under My Thumb, that's what it's called, right, Justin? Yes. Is playing, and... If you don't have subtitles on, you probably won't catch it. But if you do, the lyrics are just right there on screen. Yeah. <laughs> just saying under my thumb. Um. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is subtle and on the nose in a way that is... I don't think I can point to something that I'm like, you exist in these two worlds so beautifully. <laughs> That's exactly how I would describe his style. Subtle and on the nose at the same time. If you're not paying attention, you won't catch it. But if you are, you'll be like, Duh, oh, super cop, Nick, I get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> under, I, yeah, she's under his thumb, I get it, yeah. <laughs> he's literally uh, brain controlling her, yeah. I, I remember listening to the soundtrack, and I'm not like the biggest Stones fan in the world. Like, I, I appreciate them, but I would... This song really only got listened to when I was listening to the soundtrack because I owned it, and I was like, "Yeah, this is a great song." Then I like really started paying attention to the lyrics. I was like, "Yo, this is fucked up." <laughs> <laughs> you will find that about a lot of Rolling Stones songs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna name any because we don't. I still remember not... the one that Caleb showed me, and I was like, "Oh, that's um." Yeah, we don't need to name it. it anyway, <laughs> um... <laughs> you know. Their whole whole discography. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Anything else to say about the soundtrack, Justin? Uh, No, other than definitely check it out, especially if you are pining for a music era that has gone by. Also, uh, Blood Red Shoe is a pretty good band. They're basically the British White Stripes. Alright. What are these words? (laughs) (laughs) And the, the soundtrack is incorporated, like, pretty, like, flawlessly into into the movie um there's it's there are some movies where there will be like a needle drop and you're like oh needle you're playing the song right like this isn't a suicide squad what i'm saying is like most of the time like it just it happens organically um and you know it helps that they're in a band and there are several musical fight sequences like justin mentioned the kaiju fight that was snuck in when they they go ahead (laughs) Uh, amp to amp versus the katayanagi twins um and they literally win that fight just through sheer willpower like what a great moment for dragon ball fans everywhere (laughs) (laughs) not to take like a hard left here but that reminds me of like this that part of the movie always confuses me well okay maybe confuses isn't the right word um like with the twins, it's like they're the only people that we don't get any information on what their their relationship with Ramona was. And that's mm-hmm. like where I'm most curious because I'm like, how did dating twins work? It's... Like that's the only the only one that doesn't get any development. It's literally just that one scene and it kind of annoys me yeah. only because of how incongruous everyone it is. else gets a backstory. Right. Like it confuses it's me. It's actually bit. kind of similar in the comics. They get more than they get in the movie, but less yeah. than everyone else. Well, I don't like that. I I don't like that. It's <laughs> weird to me. I feel like they exist solely as a Street Fighter reference, and I haven't found any official confirmation, but one of them's name is Ken, one of them has short dark hair, one of them has Ken's fucking hair from Street Fighter. Like, they're Ryu and Ken, but as brothers instead of, like, as friends. <laughs> I just... It... I think there is not that much detail given 
because of the fact that they exist as a joke that like she dated twins but nobody knows the exact details everyone's like Peppa, at the same I time to know the details. and giving the details would ruin the joke as someone it's the speculation who dated that's brothers the i want to what hooked up with it I've told you about this. I don't remember this trash. at all. I've told you about what? this. You, you did. I mean, they weren't twins, but we've talked about this. Oh. I, I, you know what? I, you must have brought this up before because hey. Stephanie is literally, no, Stephanie is literally Ramona. How many exes do you have, Stephanie? Seven. How many of them were women? One. One. How many of them were brothers? <laughs> She's literally Ramona Flowers. Hey, guys, let's stop airing our sexy laundry on this I'm, show. I, <laughs> you had thank a sexy you, Justin. face? I'm literally Scott Pilgrim over here. Oh my god. Except they weren't I didn't have evil, to fight any they of were them. just normal I've people. I've never met any of them. Yeah, so. exactly. And it still, wasn't a the, phase. I'm still bisexual. The, Fucking spoiler the, alert. Just the extent to which it... <laughs> It, it, the metaphor goes. Yeah, is... yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you say you're a little bifurious? <laughs> a little bifurious. Yeah. Bifurious? Yes. <laughs> yes. That, yeah, I have opinions on this part of, of the uh, e, the plot, e, but it's, e. you know, it's, you know. I'm going to finish that thought. I'm just going to leave it at E. Hasbian. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I know. That's... This could be delved into. No, it, it was very be, much, um, it's 2010 and we're kind of realizing that people are bisexual sometimes, but we don't really know how to talk about it. And, you Without know, fetishizing here it. Here we go, yeah. <laughs> Although mean, I got, I'm, I I love the line, I'm a little bi-furious. I'm a little that's... bi-furious. <laughs> <laughs> Furious, and I love your BFs about to get effed in the B. <laughs> <laughs> about to get effed in the B. And her, Mae Whitman's delivery is fantastic. No, she's great, dude. I love Mae Whitman. Like someone who has somehow never achieved star status, but has been in everything and has always given it a hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. good for her. Like, dude, I'm I'm jealous. But yeah, that. <laughs> That's uh that whole thing is I don't even know. It's it's there. That that fight actually has some great lines in the movie. The two we've already referenced and he's a creep, you're a bitch, and you all deserve each other. Great <laughs> I mean that's kinda true. Um I was telling Stephanie the the sequence where Ramona is fighting Roxy but like puppeteering Scott. That felt very much like a Jackie Chan fight sequence. Um where he has uh, he frequently in fight scenes will be like manipulating some sort of object to fight someone else. Um, yeah, yeah. That was that was the entirety of that See, thought. I didn't know that because I I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't think I've ever seen a Jackie Chan movie. Like I don't think I've ever seen any movie with Jackie Chan fighting in it. Sounds like so on one cute. of the next what? for all months, I'm gonna put a Jackie Chan movie in there. I know. It's like, I know he's Shanghai really new. Shanghai <laughs> new. Okay, wait, no. You're right. I'm wrong. Um, I've seen Shanghai new. Oh. Oh. Shanghai Nights. Which- Shanghai <laughs> Nights. <laughs> Shanghai Noon is the 
You know how I said that Hot Fuzz is the kind of movie that it wouldn't seem like I was into, but the execution was really good, so I am into it? Shanghai Noon is the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the exact kind of movie that if you described it to me, I'd be like, uh, yeah, I'd be into that. And then watching it, I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> you had to be there when it came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The exact opposite. Uh, it gave me big Wild Wild West vibes oh, or whatever, no. um, which I also watched and was like, I um, wanted to watch that I don't movie. know what this is, but I'm not feeling it. I've never <laughs> seen it, but I wanted to see it so bad as a kid, probably just because there, it had Burger King toys. Um, I'm sorry. I just realized pairing Wild Wild West and Shanghai, Shanghai Noon, um, I'm feeling it. I think that would be a good bad movie pairing. You're telling me I'm going to have to talk about the Wild Wild West with Jim Ress, Desperado, a rough rider. No, you don't want Nada. <laughs> I know the entire rap. I know the entire rap. It played it's so what? much when I was a kid. That rap is, I would rather listen to that rap on repeat than have to listen to the shitty uh, song from the 80s. Um, wild, wild the living west. in the fish, living in the wild, wild west. <laughs> Fucking hate that song. Okay, no, but that's. I feel so like Wild Wild over. West and Shanghai Noon, like those are both <laughs> movies that I'm like, like on the surface, I'm like, uh, yeah, I would definitely be into that because I love westerns and like weird shit, like, like weird shit combined with westerns. But then when you watch them, you're like. Oh, this is some '90s, early 2000s schlock. Uh, weird Western <laughs> is an entire genre, and there's not too much in it. Cowboys versus aliens. Okay, I really want to see Cowboys uh, versus aliens. Actually, it's not bad. Uh, Westworld, the TV show, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., starring Bruce Campbell. I just, like, the thing about me is that I love westerns. Like, love. I will watch anything that is a western, like, good or bad. But <laughs> there's a lot of bad. <laughs> and, but, I don't know. They're fun to talk about, you right? You still need to see Logan. <laughs> Dude, I do need to we see Logan. <laughs> I love a depressing superhero movie. Anyway, um, we've Scott gotten Pilgrim. so far off track here. Scott Pilgrim. Uh, yes. Scott Pilgrim. So getting yeah. us back on track with a random thought. Uh, this movie is forever the reason that uh, when I'm making pancakes, I whisper to myself, milk and eggs, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the vegan police sequence. <laughs> Oh my god. I don't know. We laughed so hard. I don't know if that's okay. aged well. I don't know. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. All I know is that when they turn around <laughs> and jump through the hole in the wall that they made and high five and go, <laughs> yes! yeah! In slow motion. In yeah. slow mo. Kills me every time. Um, oh my god. Fuck. Yeah, it feels kind of like it's supposed to be making fun of vegans, which like, Meh. Which, that's, you know, that's pretty played out, but like. In 2007, it, it when two, that volume probably was or released. Or 2010. Or, oh, was it in the comics? I'm presuming. I don't mm -hmm. remember. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, but the. <laughs> The the guys seemed very much like they were in a buddy cop movie from yes. insert era here that I'm not really familiar with. They definitely seemed like I, there they was, were on point. Yeah, back in the Tumblr era, um, in uh, it, I'm just back in the Tumblr. It was like two, sometime between 2000 
like 11 in 2013, uh, probably 2012, right on the dot, I had two friends. One of them was a major ass, and they were like arguing on Tumblr. One of them was like talking about like was a vegan, and the other one always liked to play devil's advocate just constantly. And I was <laughs> sitting there with my finger on the refresh button, waiting for an opportunity to post a gif of chicken isn't vegan. (laughs) And after sitting there for 10 minutes refreshing the conversation of them retweeting each other back, or not retweeting, them them reblogging each other back and forth, responding and arguing, it actually happened, and they gave me the perfect setup, and I was (laughs) able to respond to it. Chicken isn't vegan. Chicken isn't vegan in context. Oh Wasn't that I'm all so happy for you. Uh, that era of Tumblr was was like seventy percent argument, thirty percent porn? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. No, no. Well, Maybe I yes, mean, there was a I lot know. of porn. I've been I don't... on Tumblr since two thousand ten. I think what I remember mostly is Super Hulak plus Avengers plus. My Little Pony, plus there was still a little bit of, like, the older Tumblr Tumblr that was just, like, aesthetic pictures. Discourse started to happen around, like, I want to say, like, 2012, 2013-ish. So, like, right around the time I left. Yeah. I I didn't even attempt Tumblr until we became friends. And I created an account and spent one day on this, and I was like, nope! Fuck this! (laughs) I used to spend every night on Tumblr. I would scroll through my timeline until I reached the point where I, like, I reached the last post I'd seen the previous day. Yeah. Oh my god, that's incredible to think about now, like... I know. Because, like, I could In fact, I haven't logged onto Tumblr since, like, no, I I left Tumblr right around the time that they um, decided that porn was no longer allowed because they got bought out. And yeah, fuck that. I was like, no, I'm, this is, I was already getting annoyed with Tumblr and it's already not my thing. So I'm very much leaving now. And now I'm on Twitter and you know what? Twitter's stupid, but it's, it, it's better than Tumblr, so I'm just gonna hang out there. At for least a while. Tumblr kept you in a vicious cycle of arguments and porn, so you're like, oh, I'm really angry about something, but now I'm super turned on, but now I'm angry again, and this is awakening something deep, deep, yeah. deep within me. <laughs> Being turned on and angry is a bad combination for both for for most humans, I would say, uh, not a not a good recipe. <laughs> uh, see, the downside to Twitter is it's much less anonymous than Tumblr. That's, and so yeah. you're infinitely less likely to randomly stumble upon porn because none of your mutuals are retweeting porn. It exists. There's plenty of porn on Twitter. That's the weirdest no, thing. I never <laughs> see porn on Twitter, even though it's technically allowed. Whereas I saw porn on Tumblr all the time. <laughs> Despite not actually following many porn blogs, I mean they're very see that's what the like. that's what the anonymity gets you is the ability to, <laughs> I to love tweet about this... the Avengers and Loki for yeah. hours one day and then just randomly some artsy black and white BDSM photo sets. Um, the way you are saying that the Avengers and Loki stuff never intersected oh, with no, it absolutely <laughs> did. I... I don't need to see Captain America planting a flag anywhere, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's America's ass. Literally, yeah. Your BF's about to get (laughs) effed in the beach. And we've come full circle. I was gonna say. We jumped so so many tracks that we looped back around. This all kind of feels spiritually Uh, equivalent to Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim was popular during the height of the Tumblr era, so. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> here we are. Mm. Ten years after the peak. Mm. <laughs> I haven't had a thought about Sherlock in years. Oh, God. Oh, Caleb, were you part of Super Hulak? No, because I wasn't in the Supernatural. Yeah, that's true. Too much too much horror for Caleb. See, the thing is, I was into all three of them, but I never touched Super Hulak because I have, I have some decency left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, no, I'm not dealing with that. I never got into Supernatural. I stopped watching Doctor Who before Matt Smith uh, oh, wow. bullet and uh sherlock boy did that have a good two seasons <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i feel like those are examples of a bunch of shows that were good for a specific amount of time uh, and if you look outside of that amount of time eh, i've heard doctor who circled back around kind of i i want to watch actually, of doctor who, yeah it, it's interesting bringing it uh back to scott pilgrim again uh, Doctor Who, this movie, uh, Supernatural was at its height, and Sherlock was just starting all around the same, like, couple of years mm-hmm. from each other, and for me, I can't speak for everybody else, uh, out of all of that, this film has the most staying power. For me, personally, yes. I don't know if I would say culturally, because, like, I talk about Edgar Wright like he's this big, huge thing that, like, everyone knows about, but how often have I talked to someone else and they know who the fuck Edgar Wright is? Hmm. Not my parents, not my co-workers. It's pretty much just you and my brother. (laughs) And obviously you, Stephanie. He meant Um, the royal you. It was, yeah, the (laughs) royal (laughs) you. Um, the multiple you, of course. But personally, at least, I would agree with you. Scott Pilgrim's the only thing I still follow or care about of that grouping. I mean, and obviously, I still care about the Avengers. And it's probably by nature of it being, like, it, it's two to three things if you played the video game or not. There's not, like, an ongoing thing. There's not multiple seasons. There is the graphic novels, this movie, the soundtrack, and Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game. Which just got a re-release a few months ago and is fucking amazing. <laughs> There's a game. If See, you I like, didn't even know that. If you like beat 'em ups. Uh, if oh. you are the type of person this movie is uh, uh, trying to appeal to, you will more than likely enjoy. Which, uh, funnily enough, I'm. Beat em up. <laughs> which, funnily enough, I may not necessarily be because I don't really care for fighting games or beat 'em ups. I don't uh, so. I love them. <laughs> Yes, Justin? <laughs> That's it. This isn't a video game podcast. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> it's also not a Tumblr podcast, but we went there. We sure did um, talk about Tumblr, yeah. <laughs> sure did. If you check my Twitter, you will see my love of fighting games by the fact that I referenced 1995's SNK Hidden Gym, Kazuna Encounter. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Holy you were four. <laughs> we were babies like we were in diapers oh my god <laughs> wow <sighs> okay <laughs> i don't i don't think i have any other points to make anything else i said would just be me gushing about this movie and pointing out favorite lines there's or favorite a lot scenes. to say yeah but yeah <laughs> uh i guess you gotta cut it off somewhere 
I don't know if we have done these films uh, justice, per se, justice. but uh, you can tell uh, everything we're saying is coming from a place of love. Um, not that I haven't loved the other directors and films that we've covered this month, because, my God, uh, every film we've watched uh, this month has been fantastic. Um, but just Edgar Wright, I, I, I'm a dorky almost 30 white guy his movies click for me i love them so much and that's really all i have to say edgar i keep doing your thing no i i yeah i really like i said it's i really appreciate edgar right because he takes like stories about like these super like white hetero dudes that i like normally would not be that interested in but just makes them so fun and so like breathes so much life into it and my man has whimsy in his heart right right (laughs) it makes it makes it something that's that's enjoyable to watch and and has so much energy to it that you know that you really just want to watch it regardless of what's happening and i i think there's something to be said for that like someone who has really a sense of like what clicks on screen and what grabs an audience what keeps things moving what keeps things interesting and you know that's that's a good thing to have because a lot of you know auteurs if they fail in any way it's failing through making things too slow and too laborious you know focusing on a certain theme and 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 really driving it into the ground but i think he does the opposite of that or i guess rather he is the anecdote to that like he he keeps things really really fast really interesting um and really accessible i think i think that they can be enjoyable to people even outside of the millennial white guy video game community yeah. or whatever. Um, so no, I'm I'm a big fan, and I I really look forward to seeing his future projects, especially since apparently he's coming up with a horror movie. Um, hello, I am I'm so interested excited. in that. Uh, yeah, I think the female led thriller. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm listening. <laughs> that sounds great. I don't know. He's never had a female-led movie before. I don't remember who the lead was. Justin, do you know? Uh, I don't, but I can tell you in just one second if you give me a second. I will. Uh, uh, I'm going to use this opportunity. He said uh, female-led horror movie. Uh, I really wish we could find a place to slip in uh, Ready or Not into uh, into Horror Month. <gasps> I f- God, that movie's good. I haven't seen that yet, though. I have heard a lot about it, and I really like Samara Weaving. I feel like she's really promising. I would love to see more stuff that she's in, and I would like to see this movie. Oh, it's it's uh, it's Anya Taylor Joy, stars in it. There we go. She's in it, dude. I love her. What? So, and Matt Smith's in it. Um, Riggs what? In it. Is uh, Matt Smith actually in it, or like are they yeah. just saying he's in or it, but is he's he not Rise actually going to? Skywalker gonna... <laughs> in it. Uh, uh, man, I mean, again, it's an Edgar Wright movie, so you never know who is just going to like pop up. Pop up, yeah. Fair, fair. What a career! Um, but I really like both of them, so that is really intriguing. I would, I'm, I would like to see that. I'm very interested. So look for last night in Solo. 
Soho. The... That's it. Yep. Last night in Soho. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, the I'm neon sign that. made me believe it was Solo. Wikipedia tells me it's Soho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Soho's a place, so it makes sense. <laughs> All right, guys. Okay. Um, yep. Last night in Solo was a go. Tumblr fan fiction. <laughs> check your AO3 tags <laughs> funny about it um, alright we done guys I'm done I'm, don't let me talk about Scott Pilgrim no, anymore. I know there's plenty more to say I know but alright well um, I'm Stephanie you can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on Letterboxd at Ray's left boob my name's Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at actual underscore Caleb. And don't forget to check out our sister podcast, I Hope You Exist. Oh, thank you. My name's Justin. You can find me hosting that show on most social media everywhere at Blame It on Butler. And you can find this show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. Good night, everybody. Night, y'all. Yarp. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to check the episode description for any links we may have included related to this week's episode. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at Sounds Familiar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at soundsfamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to tune in every Thursday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar. <laughs>